Hey guys, Jim Cox, Devon Financial Partners. I'm here with uh, John Curry with Iterate Ventures, and um, we had met before the uh, holidays and had a really good conversation about entrepreneurship. And I wanted to get his take on uh, how businesses, entrepreneurs, can kind of start out the year with a bang, get some advice, and um, you know, see if we can help people out going forward. Uh, John, thanks for uh, spending some time with us today to uh, to share what you know, what you've learned. Certainly, looking forward to the discussion. Awesome. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? What uh, what's your business background? Sure. Um, so I have a lot of experience in technology commercialization. And what that essentially means is taking a lot of technologies out of laboratories and moving them into the marketplace. Uh, so I did that. I've been doing that for 15 years on my own and eight years before that with the RCA Labs, which is called Sarnoff Corporation, a division of SRI International based in Palo Alto, California. That's, that's basically where I learned this, the game of technology commercialization, new product development, new product launches, um, technology licensing, and venture creation. I've done, I've done all of the above. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So what advice do you have for, uh, for new entrepreneurs or business owners? Like, what would, you, what'd you do, what would you say to somebody just starting out in terms of building a business? Well, the, 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 I would say the, the key thing I've learned, and in, in I guess I would say transforming around 2009, 2010, 2011, was that I learned lean startup methodology. And that methodology is not rocket science. It's all about getting the customer equation right. And what that means, it, it, it's... Sounds so simple, but it's really, really hard. And so for years and years, I worked with the best, world's best technologists, pushing technology up tons of mountains, uh, you know, pushing, 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 and entrepreneurship done right is all about getting the market to pull you into some opportunity. Figuring that out is all about customers, not investors, customers. And getting the customer equation right is not easy to do, particularly for scientists. And, and so I sort of knew this, but I didn't know exactly how to go about it in the most efficient way until I really learned lean methodology. And I had the opportunity to do that thanks to the University of Delaware who brought me in as an adjunct professor for uh, the Horn program down there when they, when they launched in 2011-12. So I'm, I'm grateful to Dan Freeman for doing that. Um, I told Dan, now that I understand this methodology, I really wanna go make a killing as an entrepreneur because it's, it's all about figuring out, you know, is the problem, not the technology, you start with the problem first, is the problem big enough? Are customers in enough pain that they're going to throw money at you. That is the key. And, and uh, you know, in, in my work, I look for scientists that have the beginnings of money being thrown at them. 
That's the indicator. That is the key. So figuring out how to do that is, is you know, is everything. Um, so and and some, there is a process to do that. So. so what are some action steps to try to figure out, like, if you have an audience or what an audience looks like? So, the, so probably the biggest thing as I come across different entrepreneurs, when I hear we have a solution, we have a solution, we have a solution. It has to be in the context of what problem to solve what problem. That's that's where the I see the biggest mistakes being made is there's a lot of solutions, not enough discussion about we solve the big problem of. If a company or venture is really or an entrepreneur really focused on a problem, that's that is uh, the key to success because there are a lot of ways to skin that cat. But really understanding the dynamics and intricacies of a problem, which usually is, is pretty complex, the key is to really understand how what makes up a problem and what uh, what you know the, the problem understanding a problem means value you can understand value and you start to parse where is money being spent to solve this problem where what are the traditional methods versus new methods how many people are looking are looking to solve this problem how many of my archetypes or personas have this problem um, and all of the variants of, of people with the problem so understanding the problem is just it, it keeps going back to the basics and and even the, what I'll say, the most successful ventures, because I work in pre-revenue, early stage, products being developed, um, it's, you know, extremely risky, very, very risky uh, space. Maybe one out of 10 is successful. Yeah. Um, and the most successful ones I'm working with are still struggling with, have we really nailed the problem? And, and when you do that, it's called product market fit. And you know you've nailed that when money truly is being thrown at you. And you start to say, okay, we, we now can do a, a back of the napkin top line estimate. And then you have to match that up and spend more months doing the bottom line. Can we actually deliver the solution for the money that's being thrown at us and that's where the more hard work continues but the the indicator is there has to be some money being thrown at you and that's all about a problem identifying a real sizable problem make sense it does it does and i mean in that sense it really takes a lot of i guess in-depth knowledge of a particular industry or sector and being really more for an industry to be more self-exploratory than I think businesses usually are. Like usually you're basing things off of what's happened in the past. Maybe you're not looking in as much detail as what's actually going on now and how things are changing going forward. So in some right. ways, existing right. businesses are hamstrung. So. Well, so two, two points to what, what you just said. So, one thing is interesting, figuring out the pain is actually very good interviewing skills. Mm. You, you actually, do, it, it certainly helps when you have the background, knowledge base, Rolodex, it, it truly helps to 
talk to lots of people and be well known in an industry. Absolutely. But think about somebody like Tony Robbins, right? So what he did, he became perhaps, you know, one of the best interviewers because he understood a set of questions to ask about what made people experts. Mm. And it's a similar process of understanding pain is nothing but good interviewing. There is a formula. It's not rocket science. You can learn how to find pain with anyone, assuming uh, they're, they're willing to share. I mean, that's part of the, 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 a lot of the industries I work in are heavily intellectual property based, lots of secrets, company secrets, people do not want to share. So the challenges I have are how, how do we actually talk, get someone's interest to have a conversation that in effect they're not actually allowed to go too far in depth, you know, without lots of legal agreements in place. You know, so that so that's one thing is just interviewing is is the key, is being comfortable with asking a set of questions in a certain order and keying off what is said to have a conversation about pain. It's truly learned. It's not innate and, and that's something does that's not innate. require yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's something yep. that really anybody. And that's what I've learned in years. Yeah. That's a valuable skill. Yep. And, and then the other thing is people say, well, isn't that just market research? Right. And so what I've learned in this is market research gets outdated really fast. Mm -hmm. Reading reports, it's helpful, but what's happening today with you know, with you, you're across the table from me. I can ask you 10 questions about your financial markets and figure out which, you know, which sector are you trying to grow in and why and what's preventing you from doing that and what, what are some of the uh, reasons why. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's about who is across the table and is this a, a prospect, you know, is this a good target prospect of mine? And understanding, so, you know, have I done a good job laying out my target prospects? Are, are they too broad? Are they too low level? Are they too high level? How do I know that this is a good target prospect with real pain? And you find that out by interviewing. And, and what you also find out is, you know, there are teams of people whose job it is to find solutions, develop solutions and find solutions. So that's the whole key is get to those people, talk to them about what they're working on yeah. and figuring out, are you a prospect of mine or is my problem nowhere on your radar screen? Yeah. You know, and then that's, it's, you know, it's all, again, all about the problem. If it's not in the top three that you're worried about, they not going to pay for it. <laughs> Move on. And, and, right. So a lot of, and, and this is in the old days, before lean became popular, every, most entrepreneurs would just make these assumptions. They would just assume somebody wants this new thing. Well, it turns out after they go and spend $5 million to build it, that that was a wrong assumption. It wasn't that big of a pain point, yeah. and no one's going to pay the money. Yeah. So a lot of these, and it still is difficult, you know, new products have difficulty getting traction. And, and the reason is uh, there's, 
there's lots of reasons, but one, the product market fit issue is have we uh, put something in place to capture the value of what's on the table today and then win that customer and a group of customers over to make a, you know, a buck? Can we take a buck and start the, the inflection curve of, of growing? Exactly. So that kind of brings me to the next uh, next question was uh, you had mentioned a lot of uh, businesses fail. I think it's like four out of every five businesses in the country fail at within the first like three years. And so uh, cash flow is really critical for a business to be to be able to succeed. Um, what advice do you have on and you work with pre revenue companies? How do you get a company? to positive cash flow as quickly as possible. Yeah, and, and so great question. Great. And there, there isn't, I'm sure you've heard lots of different answers. There isn't one perfectly right answer. I'll give you my strong opinion. And, and I've come much harder over to this opinion, which is I, I, I have seen so many startups and, and, and they kind of, you know, a lot of investors group startups into different categories, you know, the living dead and surviving. And, and, and there's an awful lot of those companies right on the edge of not making, you know, taking all their buck and then spending everything or not really making any profit. And to me, the, the advice is, you, re, you know, this is why the term money being thrown at you is so important. A lot of people, um, a lot of scientists particularly say, I need the millions of dollars to go build it and prove to somebody that it will work. And, and I completely debate that. It's, it's you can go the distance with, um, with uh, what's the word, kind of a faux product or a fake product by, with good interviewing, say, if I do this for you, and let's, you know, give me the benefit of the doubt that I have the technical chops to, de to make it and deliver it. How, what would you pay? And, and let's go through the scenarios so that you get those financials out early so that you can then do the assessment of how much money is really being thrown and then do the bottom line equation of what's it really going to cost. Mm -hmm. So you can get, it's about information and figuring out can, do, do we really have a sustainable company before we take this money? And so doing that hard work. Before you actually build a product, build a predictive model that basically does, is supposed to do what the product does, but then you have to figure out how to build it. But having that predictive, predictive model, having a model, and then just go about with that to try to what get to get to production more efficiently so so what i think what more you're looking for is that margin yeah yeah you you're really trying to validate that the margin you know is good or better right it's yeah. it's big you, you gotta you gotta say okay the problem is very big we have this evidence of people throwing this much money at us yeah and we know the cost to get the solution, again, working with the chemical company, 
the amazing thing, it's only going to cost a million dollars where to, to get the solution. Um, so we know margins with this company are great. We're still having challenges getting the top line being thrown at us. There's a lot of, um, hey, I'll be your second or third customer. It won't be your first. <laughs> and it's because of the mature, the, the very conservative nature of the industry. They're not going to be the guinea pig. Everybody, nobody wants to get fired. You know, it's, it's yeah. very, very, it has to be proven. So there's a lot of issues around power and manufacturing power. So it's it, what's amazing about this venture, it doesn't require a lot of cash or capital relative to the other companies, but there's every bit as much pain. How do you actually launch? You know, how do you take your first buck? You know, so that's, you know, we're struggling. I'm struggling with a company doing that. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stories. And, and what I've learned is it's better not to launch. It's actually better not to launch. See, too many companies say, oh, let me take that, you know, seed or angel money for a couple hundred K and actually launch. And then they're in no man's land yeah. and they haven't validated the big enough problem and they haven't validated how much money is truly out there and being thrown at you. Yeah. And, and so I, I think you want to start with somehow customers validating, you know, and, and maybe you have to give up a field of use, maybe you have to give something up with a customer deal, but that's that opens up options. Yeah. And now don't end up being taken advantage of by the sharks, right? We all know, you know. So that you know, I attribute what I've learned in 15 years on my own to uh, two things: lean methodology number one, and Shark Tank. <laughs> Shark Tank has really opened up the world as to the world of investors and how investors work. It's, it's very transparent today. Yeah. You know, they don't take a third or half of your company because they can. Yeah. And if you have not created options for yourself, why should, you know, they're going to continue to do that all day long. So yeah. the way you, you know, look at the good entrepreneurs, they're able to sell 10% of their company for a very high price. Why? Because they figured out that customer equation. Exactly. It's pretty interesting. That's awesome. What, um, you know, one of the uh, things that I, I see happening a lot is really AI and robotics is changing the economy. What, uh, what impact do you think um, AI and robotics are, is, is having now or is going to have on the economy from your vantage point? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Those are like two spaces um, I know about. I know... Uh, a little, but I haven't worked intensively in, you know, launch products uh, or worked intensively in, um, you know, they are the hot spaces in, you know, the Silicon Valley spaces are AI and robotics. What I, I do see as amazing is um, like, what's the, you know, driverless cars, right? And, and I'm not going to say robotics. I mean, robotics, to me are a challenge in what is the application for robotics. So, so, so that's where I struggle with the term robotics. Underneath robotics, uh, every large company is, you know, is automating. So we're now going to have tractors that drive themselves. We already have Roombas, we're gonna have lawnmowers. Uh, you know, so it's going to be, you know, uh, kitchens, uh, you know, so it's going to take over every 
everywhere GE is, everywhere the large companies are, that new chain of robotics. That's how to, to think about this. And then what is very, really interesting around the automotive industry is the future of driverless cars. Like what will happen to the automotive industry and the insurance, auto ins insurance industry if you believe in how quickly things will change in say three years. When things get approved, what will actually happen? And I've seen a wonderful video uh, forwarded, I forget the name of the presenter, but it was through Fred Wilson of Union Square Ventures. A couple of months ago, he, he clicked it. And this talked about transportation and energy and how it's going to be disrupted in a very fast way. And he had all kind of empirical as to how quickly disruptions, how long it take to occur. And he went through the horse and buggy, you know, the C Ford, lots of uh, the computers, television. And he went through the time frames of what it would take. And what he said, and it just blew me away, that in the course of five years, when there are not thousands, but tens of thousands of driverless cars, it will be, it will be a service. You'll, you won't own a car. No one will own a car. <laughs> you will, literally will not own a car unless you want to go, you know, take your BMW and go driving on the weekends because cars will be, you know, you won't need that cost. You just, you know, the, yeah. and there are millions of cars picking you up. And once that gets approved, <laughs> they'll be everywhere and you will literally use auto as a service to go anywhere you want and you'll work while you're driving there. Huh. And, and this is, this is uh, five years away. And then what, so would you have auto insurance? Why would you own a car? What would you pay go through all that pain? And you know, so you think, wow, well, that's beyond my lifetime. I, of course, you know, I was moved to think, wow, that, that could be, if, this, if things get approved in three I mean, years. First of all, one, the is that what's happened in the past 10 years. I mean, 10 years ago, we didn't have YouTube or Facebook or any of the other things. And I mean, look how the economy, let alone society, has changed since then. So, I mean, it's, you know, then nobody, nobody. Look, look what Uber did to. Yeah, look what, Uber, exactly. Uber, right? Uber basically taxis are. I mean, are there any more taxis? And I don't know. I haven't been to New York that recently. <laughs> but uh, are there taxis still around? I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, like that was what three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different. It's amazing. And, um, and, and I think the same thing will happen when all of us, we're getting our parents. Our parents will, um, you know, will start using using this and especially in cities and once you can see like the first couple of driverless car rides i i would be squeamish but boy after the what the third or fourth mm -hmm. <laughs> you'll never go back and yeah. it, it doesn't take that long to to think about <laughs> yeah I so that's just it's the value of time right it's like if you can get back time that you can then spend doing something else that's more productive it's 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 a no-brainer and people will will pay to get back that time, um, pay a premium, and that's really what Uber does. You know, it frees you to yeah. be able to have something more on demand than you know you would with a cab or having your own car. So.
That's awesome. Yep. Um, I appreciate your taking the time and, and talking to us today. If somebody wants to learn more about uh, the work that you do or how to get a hold of you, uh, what can they do? Where would they go to? Uh, um, my site is iterateventures.com, I-T-E-R-A-T-E, -E, iterate. Um, uh, ventures.com and my email is john at iterateventures.com j-o-h-n awesome and they can also uh, connect to you on linkedin and um yes linkedin profile um i i um my sweet spot is early stage scientists uh, materials chemicals um, the more complex the better um not so much drugs or medical devices because they take FDA clearance, which pretty much bumps them into uh, a different category, a different level. Um, I like uh, companies that are or ventures that are coming out of their government SBIR research work that have their first product and are ready to go to market. Good. Awesome. Well, again, I uh, thank you for taking the time and um, we'll get together real soon. Great, James. Thank you. Thanks, John. I'll talk to you in a little bit.